0: Good morning. Will you stand to your feet as we begin worship this morning?
1: Church, so thankful this morning that we can bring our failures, our addictions, our weaknesses to the one who knows how to handle them and has already dealt with them perfectly. Amen. So thankful that God so loved the world that he saved an old wretch like me. Um, We are glad that you have come to, to worship with us today and especially those who might be visiting Uh, And if you are visiting, we ask that you take a care card that is in the pew back in front of you and fill out the information uh, and then put that in one of the boxes that's in the foyer of the sanctuary here. Uh, We would love to know of your visit with us. We would love to be able to get back in touch with you uh, to say thank you for being a part of our worship service today. And also uh, there's on the flip side of that card. a room for a prayer request if any of you might have a prayer need that you would want to jot down on that and turn it in the same way uh, we certainly would like to know about that as a staff so that we can uh, pray for you but thank you for being here uh, to worship with us at Pitts Baptist Church today uh, a couple of things going on uh, if you haven't noticed today is OCC day and uh, later on in the service, uh, we'll have an opportunity, if you haven't already, to, to bring your boxes down here. And then this week is also our processing week. We are processing center. Um, and uh, if you would like to volunteer uh, to help with the processing this week, please talk to Shannon Garner. I know that she would love to have more volunteers. And uh, if you haven't been able to get your box shopping done Uh, Make sure that you get that done and bring it by uh, this week to the Processing Center. So a big week for us there. Uh, Coming up on December the 4th uh, at 5 in the afternoon, we're going to have a church-wide Christmas party. Uh, We'll be playing some fun games. Uh, our, Our youth will be leading in some worship areas. We'll be singing some songs. Our youth will be doing skits. Uh, we'll be singing our favorite christmas carols it's just gonna be a fun evening to get together uh we'll have some food we'll have soup and sandwiches and desserts um and uh we just ask that you uh pay for this event five dollars for adults three dollars for children so that we can know how much food to prepare but we hope and pray that you make that a part of your christmas season it's gonna be fun a fun evening and by the way wear your ugliest christmas sweater and I'll tell you, if you go online, get a picture of Scott Davis, and just tape it to your sweater and wear it that night, you will win a prize. <laughs> I'm just getting him back for a couple of years ago, right? So that's all right. He gets the mic last, so I better be quiet. Um, but we hope and pray that you're able to come uh, for that evening. That's going to be lots of fun. Ladies, coming up on December the 8th is your annual Christmas event. And this year's theme is Broken Vessels, Five Sinners, Five Stories, and One Savior. Uh, I know you'll be looking forward to this. The cost for that is $10, and it's for ages 6th grade and up. And you are also to bring an unwrapped uh, toy uh, for ages birth to 14. So, uh, ladies, you make your preparations to come to that. I'm sure that's going to be a great evening. Our men's ministry project is uh, getting uh, kicking up, getting underway. Uh, and guys, here's how you can be involved in that. Number one, uh, you can donate $10 uh, either online or designate that on your contribution envelope. That helps offset some of the cost. Uh, you can also donate your non-perishable food items. Uh, and you can put those in the collection bins that's in the foyer of the sanctuary or in the foyer of the core. And then you can uh, come and help us deliver on December the 13th. Uh, Men, if you want to be a part of this project, uh, see Seth Williams. I'm sure he can get you involved. But uh, uh, there'll be other things coming up uh, as we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas. So pay attention to your Friday Five uh, updates that you get through email. Lots of good ways to be involved here at Pitts Baptist. And invite your friends and neighbors uh, to our fellowship here, here at Pitts. Uh, Let's still our hearts now. Go to the Lord in prayer. Thank him for this time of worship. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning and we are indeed grateful of the promise in scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you that We have done nothing to deserve your love, but you have chosen us as the object of your affection and you love and you have cast your love upon us through your son, the Lord Jesus. You've given to us salvation, which we did not deserve. And for that, Father, we are indeed grateful and thankful. God, we pray this morning as we pray and as we sing and as we study your word. Lord, that you would draw us close unto yourself. I pray, Father, for maybe one here who is going through a hard time, a trial, who's hurting. We ask, God, that your presence would be ever near and dear to them. Let them know that you are the mighty counselor. You are a very present help in time of trouble, that they can cast their care, their weakness, everything upon you father because your burden is easy and father we pray god that you would bless those today who are in this place that uh, may not have a relationship with you god that you would open their eyes and help them to see their need for a savior and by the power of the holy spirit that you would draw them unto yourself god we uh come to you and just thank you for an opportunity again to sing praises to you and we ask god that that what is done in here Uh, This morning, we'll lift high the name of Christ, because we know, Father, that when that happens, that you draw all people unto yourself. Uh, Lord, we thank you for that wonderful promise. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for loving us first. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: After the death of a loved one, you may be worried about the upcoming holiday season and even if you aren't anxious about thanksgiving and christmas perhaps you just don't feel like celebrating
3: i used to say um i wish i could go to sleep the day before thanksgiving and wake up january 2nd
2: introducing grief share surviving the holidays a special one-time event that helps you make it through the holiday season it features an informative video that shows you how to plan your holiday season so you're not overwhelmed by it You'll also learn how to survive holiday parties and get-togethers, how to handle loneliness, and you'll discover how you can gradually begin enjoying the holiday season again. You make your plans, but then you always reserve the right to alter them. What I decided to do was still have the party, but just change the way that I did it.
1: There's a difference between moving on and moving forward.
2: The Surviving the Holidays video features the wisdom and perspectives of 13 grief recovery experts and interviews with many people who've wrestled with grief during the holiday season. At Grief Share Surviving the Holidays, you'll also have the opportunity to talk about how you're feeling about the holiday season and what you've learned in the video. Plus, you'll receive a holiday survival guide. It's filled with encouraging exercises, helpful advice, and comforting principles. It will give you the ongoing support and wisdom you'll
4: need this holiday season. What Christmas tells me is there's hope for people like me. This is the sufferer's holiday. To
2: learn more about Grief Share surviving the holidays, talk to the Grief Share leader at your church and visit griefshare.org holidays.
3: can't see. <laughs> Literally, I can't see anyway. Good morning. I'm Linda Bounds, and I'm co-facilitator with Joyce Seeger for our Grief Share program here at Pitts. Joyce and I can't say enough good things about Grief Share from what we've seen in the last 13 weeks with our participants. Uh, we've even commented that we never thought we'd be using excited in grief in the same sentence, but We have because we have been excited about this program. I would like to take this time to thank our staff and our congregation for embracing this wonderful program and allowing us to bring it to pits. Thank you for your many prayers. We appreciate them so much. Um, Grief Share has far exceeded our expectations and we praise the Lord for how we have seen him working in the lives of our participants. You've just seen the short video about our Surviving the Holidays seminar that's coming up and I'd like to give you just a little more information uh, about that. Um, If you know someone or if you yourself are dreading the holidays, dreading facing the holidays after the loss of a loved one, we would love to invite you to come to this wonderful seminar. The loss may be recent, it may be a couple of years ago, it may be longer than that but you just need some help and encouragement, coping. Like our grief-share classes, the Surviving the Holidays features a a video that's loaded with practical, hope-inspiring ideas and tips for how to handle the holidays. Some of the subjects are why the holidays are so difficult, how to plan for the season, how to deal with holiday invitations, how to survive social events, dealing with emotional ambushes, where to find comfort and strength, and many other subjects. If you or someone you know are struggling and dealing with the loss of a loved one, we recommend this seminar. We'd love for you to join us. Maybe you know someone, a family, a friend, a family member or a friend uh, that could use this, t- this uh, seminar. Uh, they may be a little hesitant about coming. Offer to come with them. What a wonderful gift of time that would be to them to spend that two hours with them and give them your encouragement. Our seminar is um, on December 6th. We have one in the morning from 9.30 to 11.30 and one in the evening from 6.30 to 8.30. Joyce and I will be in the lobby after the service if you'd like to pick up some more information or if you have questions or if you're ready to sign up, we're ready for you. Just a word about our current grief share classes. We will complete our 13th and final session on Tuesday. Time has really flown by. We are planning a memorial service for our participants to celebrate the loss of their loved ones, and then we'll have lunch together afterwards. As a report to our church, I would like to share just a few comments from our participants. We ask them to uh, make comments anonymously as to what Grief Share has meant to them. And I would like to read some of these comments to you. The first comment reads, the Grief Share journey has provided extremely helpful information from those who have been through serious and painful loss themselves. It is an outstanding, well-developed program. I am thankful that Grief Share is based upon scripture and biblical principles. This one says, this group has helped me to know that I am not alone. We can talk, laugh, and cry together. I have learned to accept the fact that God will not answer all my questions. He has helped me to value the answers he has given me. I will trust his ways. Grief share gives you hope to adjust to a new normal. Most importantly, it is God-centered. That reading the word of God reminds me of his love for me. It equips me with his truths. Thank you for giving me a space to be open, honest, and accepted. Thank you for giving me an open and safe place to share. This group is such a blessing. Thank you.
0: Amen. We're so thankful for this new ministry and hope you can get involved. Would you stand to your feet as we continue in worship this morning? We're going to sing some Christmas carols. Now, I know it's before Thanksgiving. No love notes, please. But I thought it totally appropriate to sing some Christmas carols as we uh, bring our shoeboxes down and as we think about these boxes going all over the world sharing the birth, the death, and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. So let's sing. And as we sing, you can bring your boxes forward if you haven't done so already. Go tell it on the mountain oh to set thy feet
4: those
2: boxes, you've never seen such pure joy.
0: This is amazing as you can see the children's faces, they are excited as they
1: open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift.
4: This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth.
2: Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just the child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you.
4: Thank you for your participation this year in Operation Christmas Child. And as the video points out, it's about so much more than just toys uh, in a box. That, that in and of itself means a great deal to, uh, to kids, some kids who have never received a gift. Uh, but again, it's so much more than that because with each of these boxes goes a gospel presentation in the language of the child to whom it's going to and and testimonies are literally in the hundreds and hundreds every year of children and families who come to faith in Christ uh, through this project and uh, we've been doing uh, this project now I think for about 19 or 20 years is that right Shannon 22 years in fact I believe one of the longest ones in this area correct uh, from what I understand, that they're fixing to recognize us for perhaps uh, a long-standing involvement in that, and uh, we want to thank Sharon uh, Shannon Gardner for her tireless efforts in leading this year after year after year, and uh, it's such a rewarding experience for those who have taken part in it. Uh, so thank you again for your participation. Uh, in that, I want to ask you to stand now for the reading of God's Word. We'll be uh, in the Gospel of Mark this morning as we continue our series uh, through the Gospel of Mark. Looking at the subject matter this morning, He does all things well. He does all things well. We're closing out chapter uh, 7 today, so pick up reading with me in verse 31. Verse 31 says, then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting touched his tongue and looking up to heaven he sighed and said to him ephatha that is be opened and his ears were opened his tongue was released and he spoke plainly and jesus charged them to tell no one but the more he charged them the more zealously they proclaimed it and they were astonished beyond measure saying He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Father, speak to our hearts through this text today. This is your word. Your Holy Spirit inspired it. And now we would ask for your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds and hearts. To fully comprehend everything that you're saying to us through this. Lord, may you comfort us, may you challenge us, may you bring conviction. And once again, may we see today that we can cast all of our care upon you because you care for us. And whatever we face in our lives, Lord, we know that with your intervention, we can say, he's done all things well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to read with me a passage that is going to come up on the screens, or at least I believe it's going to come up on the screens, from Isaiah uh, 35. As I read, you follow along. In Isaiah 35, here is what the prophecy of Isaiah is telling us about. The wilderness and the dry land shall be... Glad. What's Isaiah prophesying here about? The day of the coming of the Lord. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now folks, that passage gives us an indication of the ministry of the Messiah. Uh, this passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 35 is so interesting because if you look at it in context, it follows a series of chapters dealing with God's judgment on Edom, on Egypt, on Tyre, and last of all on Uh, Israel and Jerusalem, but in chapter 35, as you notice, the theme shifts from judgment to a future hope, to the joy of the redeemed, and how all of creation is going to sing for joy at the coming of the Lord. In Mark's gospel, we've seen and we continue to see the fulfillment of these things taking place. Now, here we have Mark connecting this particular episode with this deaf man who could not speak clearly. Mark is connecting this episode with what Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah 35. You see, Mark uses a word. Mark uses a very rare word here that's only used one other time. And that one other time this word is used is in the passage Isaiah 35. The Greek rendering of the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures. Only two times. That word, again, a very rare and unique word is used. And so what is Mark doing? Mark is making a very significant uh, allusion to that Isaiah passage. And saying, this is that event that is coming to pass. Now today, once again, we see a miracle that shows us both the compassion of the Lord and the the power of the Lord we're reminded of how much God cares for us and we're likewise reminded that there is nothing too difficult for him to do it's a common theme. Jesus cares for the needy he cares for the hurting he cares for the outcast and he has the power to do something about it aren't you thankful for that If you're the needy, if you're the hurting, if you're the outcast, if you're suffering in any capacity, you're grateful for both of those things. For the Lord's compassion, He cares for you. And you're likewise very grateful for the fact that He's able to do something about it. Folks, I want you to be encouraged. Be encouraged that we serve a God that even if not now completely, one day... He will heal all diseases, all sicknesses, all death, all heartaches. He will heal all of that. The effects of the fall, the effects of sin will be completely reversed. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 8 and verses 18 and following? He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us and then John in Revelation 21 says of that time period uh, he writes there in chapter 21 he says that he will dwell with them that is God will dwell with his people And we will be his children, the sheep of his pasture. And God himself shall be with us as our God. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Folks, that's what the people of God have to look forward to. That is what the consummation of our salvation is going to bring. I want you to think with me right now of an age where there will be no more illnesses, no more death, no more corruption, no more violence. Think of an age where there's no more crippled children, No more armed robberies, no more murder, no more lying politicians. There's only pure justice and holiness and righteousness covering the earth. Think of that time where the lion will lay down with the lamb and the child will play at the hole of the cobra. Don't you long for that? Just read today's headlines I mean, it makes you long for the day that we won't read the news that we read today. And again, that's what awaits the the people of God. While on earth, Jesus gave mankind a glimpse of the consummation of salvation. He said on another occasion that while he was in the world, he was the light of the world and he was not going to allow people to walk around in darkness. In this case, he was not going to allow this man to walk around in deafness. I want you to see with me first of all this morning the man's condition. Read with me verses 31 and 32 again. It says, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. In verse 32, we meet a man whose life would have been hopeless. He was deaf. I want you to notice that. He was both deaf and he spoke with great difficulty. He had a speech impediment probably tied in this case to his deafness. I can remember so vividly the humility, the absolute humility of sitting in a third grade classroom at Pinewood Elementary School in Charlotte, North Carolina and a knock comes at the door somewhere in the course of the day and a speech pathologist is there to call me out of the classroom and go to speech therapy because I could not speak clearly I've been making up for it ever since But when you're called out of a classroom like that every week to go to speech pathology, it sort of makes a spotlight come on to you. You feel like that anyway. Now this guy here would have been infinitely worse off. Because not only does he have a speech impediment, but he is also deaf. It's believed that he probably suffered an illness or an injury in early childhood. Maybe he had learned to speak some, but as the years have gone by and his clear hearing was more of a distant memory, he's likewise lost the ability to pronounce things clearly. And so he's hard to understand. And in that culture, he would have lived a very lonely life. Because, you see, the deaf were ostracized and they were viewed, believe it or not, as someone who was unclean. But, you know, he had something going for him, uh, didn't he? The scripture tells us here that they, who are the they? Evidently friends of his, maybe family members. We're not told We're just simply told they bring this man to Jesus. And it reminds me of that occurrence in Mark chapter 4 where there is a man who is paralyzed. He is confined to lying on a mat. And he has friends, four friends, who pick him up and carry him to Jesus. They are determined to get their friend to Jesus because they know that Jesus can help him. The same thing is going on here. And folks, this is a reminder to you and me of the importance of ministry. Those who walk in the light are to help those who walk in darkness. Those who walk with straight backs are to help those who walk with crooked backs. Hopefully we will never be so self-centered that we forget about those around us who need us. And who knows one day it might be we ourselves who are in need. James 1 reminds us that religion that is pure and undefiled is religion that reaches out to those in need. And James gives examples of orphans and widows. You know somebody I'm so impressed with. I know sports analysts. uh, They just talk down about him all the time uh, when he was in the NFL. But Tim Tebow... Uh, Tim Tebow when he was playing in the NFL and even before that in college ball He said that every town that his team went into he would find the hospitals And he would go to the children's wings where children were sick Maybe battling cancer or leukemia or, or damage from fires They were burned or they were crippled And he would go into the hospitals and he would encourage those children and pray with them Folks that's how all of us ought to be Surely in the church that's what we ought to be about as we're also verbalizing the gospel. We need to see people the way that Jesus saw people. The Bible says he had compassion on people because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Now you may wonder how in this region they had heard about Jesus. Now we know that probably many people by now have seen Jesus' miracles. But interestingly enough. Scholars will connect this area where Jesus is in this episode. They'll connect it back with that episode in Mark chapter 5. Where Jesus cast all of those demons out of the demoniac. And you remember what that demoniac, now delivered of all the demons, wanted to do. He wanted to follow Jesus. I guess he wanted to be Jesus' 13th disciple. And Jesus said, no. Uh, That's not my plan for you. I want you to go back to your people and I want you to tell your people of the great things that God has done for you. And that's what he did. It's believed that this whole area has learned about the Lord Jesus Christ from the testimony of that demoniac. And you know what? That serves as a great reminder to us as well, doesn't it? A changed life is a great testimony to unbelievers maybe you're sitting here this morning And you're saying I don't know what I can give to the Lord That the Lord might be able to use I don't know what my gift is My spiritual gift I struggle to find that out By the way every believer does have at least one spiritual gift But maybe you struggle to find out what yours is And you're thinking what can I do You know I see somebody get up on the platform And maybe sing I look at my Sunday school teacher I I look at somebody in youth And I see the way they play An instrument, I can't do any of that I don't know what I can do for the Lord But if you're a saved child of God You've got a testimony Never underestimate what God can do Through your testimony As to how you were saved God can use that Folks, don't despise small things. We serve a God who can use small things in mighty ways. Amen? God had used the testimony of this demoniac to reach this whole region. Now, there's one other thing I want to mention before I move on. If you read much about Jesus' movements in this area... Commentators spend a great deal of time discussing the path that Jesus is taking. And let me explain to you what it would be like. At the close of service today, let's say it's summertime and you're getting ready to leave on summertime vacation and you're going to go to Myrtle Beach. Now if you were going to load up your car this afternoon in Concord and go to Myrtle Beach, I dare say there's a route that I know you would not take you would not leave Concord and drive to Raleigh, North Carolina. And then from Raleigh, North Carolina, turn and drop downwards towards the coast and then go down, sort of in a horseshoe-type shape. But folks, that's exactly what Jesus is doing in this region. He's not going the most direct route. He's traveling a great deal of territory going in a horseshoe-type shape. But as he is, he's going through Gentile areas. And it's just as I pointed out last week. This is to be an example to his disciples. God's plan was not just to save the Jews, but also to save the Gentiles. I pointed out last week how Jesus uh, told that Syrophoenician woman that he had come first To the lost sheep of Israel. Paul said the good news is good news first of all to the Jew but also to the Gentile. God's plan wasn't just to save one ethnic group. God has world vision." And he expects you and I to have world vision as well. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's spending a great deal of time going through Gentile territory, no doubt uh, using this as an example to his disciples that one day soon after he departs from them, they're to go into all of the world. But you know there's something else in that too. When you read about the division at the time between Jew and Gentile, it was great. Huge divisions. We look at our world today, and what do we see? We see huge divisions among people. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ should break down all of those barriers between people. Amen? We have the gospel to preach. And people we go to, if they agree with us on stuff or not, politics or life or whatever, one thing we can share is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when somebody receives that message, they become our brother and sister in Christ. And if in no other way possible, we can be united in the gospel through Jesus Christ. There's hope for the world. In the gospel. There's hope for all the division in the world we see today through the gospel. This man's condition, he was in miserable shape. Second thing I want you to notice with me, the master's cure. Look with me beginning at verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him ephatha, uh, which is, be opened and his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. I want you to notice that Jesus took the man aside privately. Now here again, it would be so easy to miss what's happening here. Here was a man who had been ostracized. You see, there was superstition back then, and the superstition went like this. That if somebody was deaf or had some other life-debilitating disease, it was believed that perhaps a condition like this would have been caused by demons being in the person. And if you touch the person, they believed that the demons causing this illness in somebody like this, those demons could be transferred to you. And that you might end up like this. And so as you can imagine, somebody in this man's condition... Nobody would have wanted to be around him. He probably lived a very lonely, isolated life. Maybe it's been a very long time since anybody other than his closest family and friends had even given him the time of day. And here are all of these people pressing in on Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the time to pull this man aside and deal with him personally and individually. And what Jesus does is a form of sign language that this man could have understood by putting his fingers into the man's ears jesus is indicating to the man that he is about to open his ears so he can hear again By spitting and touching the man's tongue. By the way, saliva back then was believed to have some healing properties in it. I know you might be sitting here thinking, gross. But um, Jesus spit and, and touched the man's tongue. And he's indicating likewise that he is about to restore the man's ability to speak. And so Jesus is using sign language to communicate with this man what he's about to do and by touching the man the man is experiencing the human touch that he has probably not known for years folks there is probably no telling how long it's been since somebody simply touched this man listen to what psychology today the publication psychology today writes the research demonstrating the need for human touch is vast. From a developmental standpoint, infants literally cannot survive without human touch. Skin-to-skin contact in even the first hour after birth has been shown to help regulate newborns' temperature, their heart rate, their breathing, and and uh, decreases crying touch also increases mother's relaxation hormones and aids in the release of oxytocin a now famous study Uh, examined the sensory deprivation of children in understaffed orphanages in Romania. The touch-deprived children the authors found had strikingly lower cortisol and growth development levels for their age group. Touch is important. Jesus is pulling this guy aside from the multitude privately in the midst of all of these people pressing in on him. And demanding his attention, he takes time to pull this one guy aside. And he lays his hands on him, showing compassion. Folks, what an example for us. We need to visit people. We need to talk with them. We have to hold their hand and and pray with them. We've got to show people that they matter. We've got to remember that ministry is personal. We've got to get involved. We've got to interact with people. And Jesus is the one who constantly shows us that in the Gospels. Something else that Jesus did here, as the sign language continued, he looked up to heaven. And this would have communicated to the man that what he was about to do, he was doing in dependence upon his heavenly Father. Folks, think about that. Here was Jesus, the very Son of God, and He's depending upon the Heavenly Father. That ought to speak to us all the more. If Jesus needed to depend upon the Father, how much more do we? Jesus never communicated an air of arrogance. He always communicated an air of humble dependence upon the Father. And then Jesus sighs deeply and with that deep sigh, commentators point out, this is another case where Jesus is moved in his spirit by all of the results of sin. All of the sickness and death, just like what this guy is experiencing, all of the sickness and death in the world was the result of Adam and Eve choosing to go their own way. And the whole of humanity from that point forward being thrust into darkness. And the whole created order has been affected. Again, that's why Paul in Romans 8 says, All of creation is longing for the day of the redemption. Of the children of God. And then Jesus spoke. It's believed in Aramaic, and what Jesus says is, Be opened. And at that moment, his ears were opened and his tongue was loose. Now the Greek is even more vivid and powerful. In the Greek it says the chain of his tongue was broken. His tongue had been like a prisoner in chains and now it is set free. The captive tongue is now free. And he's speaking clearly. All of his impediments are gone. The word in Isaiah referred to the mute. Some, or somebody who spoke with great difficulty. And again the Greek translation. The Septuagint of the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures. Uses a very unique and rare word. That the only other time it is used. Mark uses it right here. And so obviously Mark is showing that this right here. Is the fulfillment of the day of the Lord when the Messiah arrives that the mute will speak you remember how a few weeks ago I told you about the end of Malachi the, at the very end of the book of Malachi the last book of the Old Testament says when the Messiah arrives there shall be healing in his wings and the woman who taught, who had the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment Uh, On the hem of the garment were wings, tassels. And she thought, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, the wings, I'll be healed. Harkening back to that promise in Malachi. This is just like that. Mark is saying what Isaiah the prophet prophesied about. What Isaiah said would happen when the Messiah arrived... This is the day that that's happening. This is the fulfillment of that passage. Jesus is the Messiah and he's here with us. And you know this reminds us also of Genesis 1 where God spoke and it was so. God said, let there be light and there was light. Jesus said, be open and his ears were opened. Folks, God's Word has power. Let's not forget that you and I have God's Word in the Bible. We talk about how powerful God's Word was in creation, but we have God's Word that we can read every day in the Bible. And the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And as you and I read God's word day in and day out, what is God doing to our hearts, our spirit? He is transforming us more into the image of Christ. Folks, God's word is powerful. Let's not forget that. He said here, Be opened. And his ears were opened. Now the third thing I want you to see with me is the multitude's confession. Look with me at verses 36 and following. Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Notice in verse 36 that again we have an occurrence of Jesus charging people not to speak of him openly as of yet. And I want you to remember why. On occasion, after miracles like this, what would the masses want to do? They would want to take him by force and make him king. And so the Bible says that on occasion, Jesus Jesus would even pass through the crowd and leave. Or he would remind them that it was not his time yet. Everything Christ did was on a schedule. And it was only after three years of public ministry and training of his disciples that he went back south down into Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And there that Passover week, just as the Passover lambs were being uh, killed, Jesus, our Passover lamb, was crucified. Everything he did was on a perfect schedule. And that's what we see here. Now by charging them not to speak, Jesus was trying to squelch some of the public hysteria that would have developed about him. But now you notice it didn't work. What did the people do? They went and proclaimed about him anyway. Now, isn't that ironic? Here were people, Jesus was saying, Don't tell anybody about me yet. And they were telling. Today, we have the Great Commission. Jesus says, Go and tell. And what do we so oftentimes do? Remain silent. The famous preacher, Dr. Stephen Olford once said, He said, Too many Christians today are like Arctic rivers, frozen at the mouth But they were not to tell. Folks, let's remember God uses our words. He had used that one man, the demoniac that he had delivered, to spread word. That one man had spread word about Jesus through this whole entire region. And people had come to believe upon Jesus. That's how powerful our testimony can be. And I want you to notice what the crowd begins saying. What what do they begin saying? They say, he has done all things well. Almost all commentators connect this right here to creation Back in Genesis chapter 1. Because you remember after each day of creation, God saw what he had made. And what was the declaration that he made? It was good. After every day, behold, it was good. It was good. It was good. And finally God says, it was very good. Here is Jesus in his work of recreation don't miss this the father in his work of creation it is good Jesus giving good news after the fall of man and the desperation that the fall of men brings Jesus restoring men forgiving them and healing them Jesus in his work of recreation the crowd is saying he does all things well isn't that great he does all things well. In other words, they're saying it is good. Jesus is restoring what was lost in the fall there in Genesis chapter 3. And again, one day he is going to do so completely. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to give you some takeaways. Takeaway number one, get involved in ministry. Be a person who takes others to Jesus. Folks, don't get lost in your own little private world. God came to us in the person of his son. He condescended to us. And so, what does that mean? That means that those of us who know Him, we must likewise take the initiative to go to people in need. When we get involved in ministry, we're following the example of the one that we call Lord and Savior. Get involved in ministry. Where are you involved in ministry? Where are you getting outside of your comfort zone? Where are you touching people's lives with the gospel? A second takeaway The most effective ministry is up close and personal That means you and I have got to roll up our sleeves We've got to get involved with people Folks, it is hard to minister from a distance I want you to recall that in Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable about sheep and goats. And remember he said to the sheep, when they said, when have we done this to you? And he said, when you have done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now, what was the difference there in the sheep who entered into everlasting life and the goats who entered into everlasting damnation? The sheep had been involved in ministry. God's true sheep care about others. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you earn heaven by doing ministry. What I'm saying is true sheep minister. True sheep minister because they have the heart of their shepherd. What does your life say about you? Does your life say about you that you're one of his sheep demonstrated by the fact that you have his heart? third takeaway, depend upon God. Always remember, you and I are just the messenger. Folks, it is God who touches people and transforms them. It's not me, it's not you, it's God working through us. And so what does that demand of us? That we've got to utterly depend upon him in everything. Like Jesus said in John chapter 15, he's the vine. We're just the branches. We can do nothing apart from Him. Depend upon Him. And then a fourth takeaway through your testimony, others can find hope. The hope that you have found in Jesus, the salvation that you have found in Him, whatever He's done in your life, guess what? It's not for you and me to keep to ourselves. It's so we can tell others, so others can find the hope in Christ that we have found. How are you doing with that? Or are you just trying to keep all of his blessings for yourself? Father, thank you that we can say with the people of this day that he has done all things well. God, we can look back on our own lives and see how you watched over us. And you protected us in times when we would have made our lives a mess. You've done all things well. God, we can think back to how you saved us. And you took out the heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. And you changed our lives and you made us new creations in Christ. Surely we can say over that, he does all things well. And God, we can think of times you've used us in ministry and it's made a difference in somebody else's life. Again, we can say, he does all things well. God, we thank you that that's the type of God that we serve. And if there's even one here this morning that does not know you, God, I beg of you to draw them to yourself through the power of your spirit that they might know of your touch upon their lives. That they might also be able to say, he does all things well. And God, for that one that perhaps has seen this morning that they need to re-engage in ministry, ministry that's up close and personal, getting involved with people's lives. God, I pray that in a fresh new way, you would use them for your glory to where one day they'll stand back and say, he does all things well. God, speak to your people and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.